0: We're in the middle of this sermon series in Mark, and tonight I'm going to read for us Mark chapter 4, beginning in verse 21 and reading through verse 34. Mark 4, 21 through 34. Okay, here we go. Let's listen to God's word. And he, that's Jesus, he said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, Pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And he said, The kingdom is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. And he said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God, or what parable shall we use for it? It's like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth, Yet when it, is sown up, it, when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples he explained everything. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray, please, and ask God to help us understand this portion of the word rightly. Father, help us now to believe that what Jesus says here is true, and not just true, but also meaningful for us now. We pray that you would come and do divine, supernatural work, do what only you can do, open our hearts to know and see Jesus for who he really is, and to believe in his name so that we might have eternal life. Father, if that's something we've heard a billion times or if we're hearing it for the first time tonight, we ask for you to give us eyes to see and ears to hear what you have for us. And we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. My family and I spent a number of years ministering in Arizona, and one time in my six years in Arizona, we traveled up to the Grand Canyon. It's the only time I've ever been to the Grand Canyon, but it's something that all of us need to see in our lives just because of the the sheer magnitude of it when you first approach the drop-off into the canyon. It's an incredible thing to behold. One One of the great... Wonders of the world, a thing that humans look at and think, wow, how in the world could that have ever come? And it makes you feel sort of significant, insignificant, and small as well. And uh, as you read, as I read and thought about the Grand Canyon and learned a little bit, a bit about it, of the many amazing things about the Grand Canyon, one of them is just the sheer amount of time it took for the thing to form. You know, whether you believe the old is earth or young, whether it took 6,000 years or 6 million years or 6 billion years, no matter what, that's a long time for the Colorado River to run through that canyon and slowly erode it. So that now it is approximately 2 miles deep and at its widest spot, 18,000 feet. No, I'm sorry, 8 miles wide. It can be seen from space, from what I'm told. I've never actually been there, but I'm told that's true. It can be seen from space quite clearly. It's, it's an amazing example of how a slow process creates something vaster than anything we can imagine. In these parables tonight, Jesus is talking about the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God in that way. He's saying that the kingdom of God comes in a way that we as humans would not expect it to come. It comes in an unanticipated way. It comes sometimes seemingly slowly. And it seems small and insignificant at times. But at the end of the day, it's going to be vast in scope beyond any of our abilities to comprehend. Just like the Grand Canyon. Mark chapter 4 begins, in some ways, a new section of Mark's gospel. Tim preached last week on the parable of the sower, and here we see three more parables coming to us from Jesus. Mark is here spending some time to focus on Jesus' teaching, and as he tells us what Jesus taught, he's doing what he always does to you tonight. Tonight, Jesus, the God of the universe, is inviting you into life with him. He is inviting you to believe that he is who he says he is. That he has done the things that he came to do. And he's doing it through telling us these these agrarian, farmer-oriented parables. We see three of them tonight. And in a sense, they all build on one another. And they try to communicate to us what the kingdom of God often seems like compared to what the kingdom of God truly is like. They compare what the kingdom of God often seems like to what the kingdom of God really is like. You can summarize these three parables like this. The growth of the kingdom is inevitable and you are invited in. That's what Jesus is trying to communicate to us, to me and to you, as well as to those original hearers thousands of years ago. The kingdom, the coming of the kingdom, the growth of the kingdom is inevitable and you are invited in. So I want to look at these three parables in three different sections, breaking it down really easily. Three things I want to show you. The kingdom seems concealed, but the lamp is shining. The kingdom seems slow, but the harvest is coming. The kingdom seems small, The kingdom seems small, but the seed is growing. Those are the three points we'll go through here briefly as we study God's word. So let's dive in. What do you say? Verse 21, Jesus says that a lamp, he says, is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? The obvious answer to that is no, it's not brought in to be put under a basket. It's brought in to be put under a stand. Jesus is comparing the kingdom of God and really himself here to to a lamp. That sort of familiar imagery, if you're familiar with the Bible, if you've read particularly the Gospels before, normally when you hear Jesus say, don't hide your light under a bushel, that's, you know, if you grew up going to VBS, you probably learned a little song about that or something like that. The more churched you are, the more familiar that is to you. And normally when we think about that sort of imagery coming from the mouth of Jesus, we think it means don't let your witness not be seen. Don't let your testimony grow dark, but tell people who you are in Christ. Tell people what Jesus has done for you. Now, that's a really, really biblical concept. That's absolutely true. That is what Jesus is saying in Matthew, but it's not what he means here. The lamp here is actually not referring to our testimony or to our witness or to what God has done in our heart. And the way we know that is, at the risk of getting a little technical here, the word there in verse 21, the verb brought It's translated brought in most of your translations. That's actually the word in Greek, which is the language the New Testament was written in, for come, to come. What the text is literally saying is, is the lamp coming to be put under a basket? It's not saying, is a lamp brought? It's saying, is the lamp coming? The lamp here doesn't refer so much to our testimony and witness as to what God has done for us, as it refers to God himself revealed in Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus is saying here that he is the lamp. He is the light of the world. And as he brings the kingdom of God into this world, into our hearts, that is going to be more and more and more clear and evident to those who are exposed to him. Oftentimes, as you read through the Bible, and maybe oftentimes in your life now, the kingdom of God and Jesus is concealed or confusing. You know, as we've gone through Mark, we've seen actually Jesus himself intentionally tells people, don't tell anyone who I am. Sometimes it's as if he's, he's on purpose concealing his own identity. And oftentimes when you think about Jesus and the stories you might have heard about him, it, it is a little bit weird. You know, you wouldn't expect, think about this, you wouldn't expect the king of the universe The one who made everything, according to the Christian scriptures, to be born as one of us in a, you know, a donkey's feeding trough in the middle of nowhere, right? You wouldn't expect the king of the universe, the one who came to save his people from their their sins and usher in this glorious new universal kingdom to be hanging out with, you know, fishermen, and blue-collar people, and prostitutes, and tax collectors, and unseemly sinners. And to be spending time with women who were marginalized in that society. To be spending time with little kids who people wanted to boot out of their presence in that society. But that's exactly what Jesus does. You wouldn't expect Jesus to say the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. And to be basically homeless, wandering around in a distant Roman province. But that's exactly how the kingdom of God, in fact, did come. It's exactly how Jesus came. And in this parable, he's trying to say that the more you get to know me, the more evident, the more clear who I am is going to become. The lamp is shining. It's not going to be under a basket or under a bed for long. That's why he says in 22, Nothing is hidden except to be made manifest. If anyone has ears, let him hear. Jesus is both the lamp and the one who is going to illuminate everything else. He's going to make everything clear. That's progressively happening now as the kingdom comes, but one day when Jesus returns boom, the light is going to go on and it's all going to be plain that Jesus is who he says he is. When I was a a teenager in uh, the 90s and late 80s, I I had a little bit of a, at the risk of, this is going to be a little bit gross, but at the risk of doing that, I had a little acne issues, nothing real significant, but you know, I had my occasional pimple as a middle school and high schooler and my mom would take me to the dermatologist to get medicine back. You know, that stuff we found out now gives you cancer. So who knows what's going to happen to me? But I took all sorts of medicine for pimples back in the day. And one time I went and I had to go and sit down in this chair and the nurse came in. I was like, I didn't think dermatologists had nurses, but this dermatologist had a nurse and she came in and you know, it was like one of those horror movies. She sat down at the chair next to me and she opened up this case and she has all these like sharp looking tools in there. And I'm like, dude, I came to get like a prescription. And, you know, I'm like, you're going to have to strap me down to this chair because this looks like it's about to get really, really hairy. So she, she sits me down on this chair and she pulls out this needle and she just starts going to work on the pimples on my face. Boom, boom, boom. It was horrible. And my mom's sitting there the whole time, by the way, and I still haven't forgiven her for this, very unchristian of me, sitting there the whole time just watching this happen. I'm drenched in sweat. But the worst thing about all of it is this. Above me, it seemed like about this close to my head, was this glaring lamp. And when it was turned on, it blinded me which probably was intentional because they didn't want me to see the pain they were about to inflict on my 14-year-old face. But it was something that still stuck in my mind. And now every time I go to a doctor, I'm, I'm afraid that they're going to turn that lamp on and it's going to shine and, you know, reveal all of my 14-year-old acne, so to speak, still. The lamp was so bright that it was the only thing in the room I even noticed, despite what this nurse, Nurse Ratchet, I think is who it was, despite what she was doing to my, to my face. That's, that's, in a sense, what Jesus is getting at here. He is the lamp. He's not going to take care of your acne, probably. The gospel changes everything, but take some medicine for that or wash your face. But he is the lamp that, uh, that really does shine into the darkest places. He is the lamp that is really going to make himself known. And as you get to know him, you'll see progressively more and more and more that Jesus is the one who did what he came to do and is who he says he is. You know, it's amazing as you think about it again, that Mark's doing again what he almost does every week. He's asking you here. He's asking you to see Jesus for who he really is. The lamp in whom all things will be made known, to whom all secrets will be revealed. And so I've got to ask you again, do you see Jesus? Do you see Jesus Christ as the king of the world? As the king of your life? Do you see Jesus as the one to whom one day all of us will have to give an account? Do you see Jesus as the one who has the power of life and death, of heaven and hell in his hands? Do you see and recognize Jesus of Nazareth as the king, as the one who will judge the world, as your absolute and utter sovereign Lord? That again here is what you are being called to see and to believe as Jesus through these teachings and through these stories lovingly presses you to affirm his character, to affirm his identity. And so the question you've got to ask yourself again is how do you see him? Maybe you're just a skeptic and you think Jesus is a, he's one of many great teachers that we can learn a lot from. That's a very common answer. Maybe you've never really read the scriptures at all and you don't have an opinion on Jesus. Maybe you think of him as uh, someone who actually is a bit insidious and has caused all sorts of fights among religious groups all over the world. There's all sorts of views of Jesus. And no matter what you think about him right now, the point of this portion of the scriptures is that Jesus is asking you to consider his claims on their own grounds. Will you do that? Will you take some time this week and read through the gospel of Mark and ask yourself or ask God, God, if you're out there, will you show me if this is true or if it's just a a psychological crutch for emotionally weak people? Jesus again and again pushes us to understand and to believe him. So if you don't believe him, figure out what he teaches and who he says he is and make a decision. If you do believe him, then he's telling you, You know, his journey says, don't stop believing, right? He's asking you to continue to press into him in faith. That's the the point of that first parable when he calls himself the lamp. That's why he says there, pay attention to what you hear. The more you understand him, now is the opportunity to understand him. That's the point there of 24 and 25. He's pressing you to decide if Jesus is legitimate. So the first point then is that, I'm forgetting my point, sorry. The kingdom seems concealed, but the lamp, Jesus, is shining. And then there in 26, Jesus tells us another story. So here we see, secondly, the kingdom seems slow, but the harvest is, t- is coming. Now, he tells us a story here about the kingdom of God is, it's kind of like a man who goes out, a farmer, and he just scatters seed on the ground. And the point of this parable is that this is ordinary farming work. This guy goes out and notice Jesus says he sleeps and he rises night and day. He's just going about his business. And guess what happens? The seed sprouts and it grows. And then Jesus goes out of his his way to say there, he doesn't know how. The point is that the kingdom of God comes sometimes slowly, but for sure in a way that is going to be mysterious to us. You know, when I was... uh, In Arizona, it's hard to grow anything in Arizona, but Marianne and I, for a while, were a part of a little community garden uh, that was near our church. And um, I I have almost no experience with gardening. Marianne's much better at it, as she is at almost everything in our lives. She's much better than me. But um, we started working in this little community garden. We got a little plot, and, you know, we were out there the first time, and we had some seed, and we kind of just through the seed. And the guy, I'm like, is this all I need to do, honey? She's like, yeah, just put the seed in the ground and then cover it up. And I'm like, okay, there you go. Is that it? Like, What else? She's like, that's it. We pray for rain. It rains three days a year here in the desert. So we better, you know, water it and let the sun do its work. And we'd come back a week later, would come back three weeks later, would come back two months later. And there's a piece of lettuce. There's a tomato. I'm just like, this is unbelievable. I mean, no one really knows how this happens. And we know a lot about farming. But basically all we know is you have to provide the conditions. You have to provide water and sun. But the actual process of growth is an absolute mystery. That's the point of this parable. Jesus is saying that the way the kingdom comes is mysterious to us too. It's slowly progressive. Notice he says there in 28 that first the blade comes, then the ear comes, then the full grain in the ear The process of farming, Jesus is saying, you know, it doesn't just seem slow. It it sometimes seems impossible. And that's how the kingdom is. The kingdom grows in ways that we would never expect. I remember hearing a a mentor of mine who's a very well-known preacher preach in a church when I was in seminary and he made a point, he was actually preaching about preaching and he said, it's, it, it's an amazing thing, the process of preaching. You just are like the farmer who goes out and scatters the seed. And like Tim said last week, you have no idea if a bird is going to come and swoop the seed up, if it's going to fall on rocky soil, if it's going to come up for a little while and then get squeezed out, you have no control over the process of the growth of that seed. You just go and basically scatter it blindly and see what mysteriously and slowly happens. That's what God is saying the coming of his kingdom is like. And I want you to know something practically. Listen, that should be of supreme encouragement to you. If you're walking with Jesus, if you've placed your faith in him and you're a follower of Christ, it should encourage you to know that the kingdom of God comes globally and it also is more and more revealed in your own life progressively, slowly, sometimes mysteriously. I mean, have you ever ever really thought about this Christian thing that we ask you to do, how crazy it is? We tell you to read a book like every day. And we tell you to pray to someone that you can't see every day, especially when you're feeling bad or feeling angry or feeling sad. And we tell you to come to church and sing songs and then get to know people and make friends and go to a movie theater and help on the setup team. We tell you to do these things because we believe that that is actually the way that your life is transformed. If that's not mysterious, then I don't know what is. That is weird. That's mysterious. That's mysterious. Reading the Bible and prayer and the sacraments and being with other Christians and telling people who don't love Jesus about Jesus, all that is the way that the seed begins to sprout. Slowly, progressively, change takes place. It should be supremely encouraging because it's another reminder to you that you ultimately are not the one who is going to change yourself. You're not the one who's going to cause the seed to sprout in your life. You're not the one who's going to manufacture change and growth. God does that. God is sovereignly, right now, through my confused lips, helping all of us to change, to experience more and more of his love, to grow in our faith. It's mysterious, but it's the way the kingdom comes. Dave Ramsey is a financial analyst, financial counselor, who often talks about living a financially healthy way is not a microwave scheme, it's a crockpot scheme. Christianity is the exact same way. If you're thinking about becoming a Christian because you want immediate and instant gratification and all your problems to go away, then that's not going to happen probably. Welcome to Christianity. It's something you should do. You should definitely become a Christian. But God generally changes us and grows us over long periods of time but he inevitably does it because he's the one in charge and not us. The kingdom seems concealed, but the lamp is shining. The kingdom seems slow, but the seed is growing. And then thirdly, we see there in that last parable that the kingdom seems small, but the seed is growing. This is almost just like the previous parable. But what's added here is that as the kingdom grows slowly and progressively and mysteriously, it also grows to be huge. I mean, look at what he says. The mustard seed is the smallest seed, but when it gets sown in the ground, it becomes the biggest plant in the whole garden, and it has such huge branches that the birds that used to eat the mustard seed now rest and make nests in the shade of the tree that was once the mustard seed. Jesus is saying here that the kingdom grows slowly and the light is revealed, and the kingdom grows in a way that's inevitable and unstoppable. Its growth is significant. One scholar writes this, as the grain does ripen despite all of the forces working against it, so also God's kingdom will grow into all he intends for it, despite the uncertainties of our existence, which might cast doubt over its staying power. The Bible says elsewhere that one day the kingdom of God is going to cover this world as the waters cover the sea. That's the point of this parable. The kingdom is going to grow to be the largest of all the kingdoms of the world. Jesus is actually making a a pretty obscure reference here to the Old Testament when he talks there about birds resting in the shade of the tree. And the Old Testament prophets, especially Ezekiel, big, huge nations like Egypt and Babylon, these ancient nations were referred to as trees. And the nations that they conquered were the birds that would make their nests and find their shade in the branches of the tree that was this, this great empire. And what Jesus is saying here very subtly to those people who would have known their scriptures very well is that the greatest of all the kingdoms is mine. And my kingdom is furthermore not just for the people that are hearing me now, but it's for every nation. It's for every tongue, it's for every tribe, it's for people of every color, it's for people from every background, it's for people who've committed all sorts of terrible sins, it's for people who think they're righteous and people who know how unrighteous they really are. It's for anyone who will believe that I am the king and that my kingdom is coming. It's inevitable in its growth. One day it's going to be unfathomably massive, just like the Grand Canyon. That also should be encouraging to you. Oftentimes in our culture, the work of the church, people who are trying to follow and love and serve Jesus together seems super insignificant. It seems super small. It seems like we're not going to ever really do anything that makes much of a difference in this world. We feel like a mustard seed. What Jesus is saying here, is that just when you feel most insignificant, just when you feel like your work for Jesus matters the least, just when you feel the smallest in this little church plant, in you going to work and trying to serve Jesus there, in whatever you do at home during the week, trying to love your children in the name of Jesus, those are the moments in which you can believe that God is most with you at work. Those are the moments in which you are being called to remember that one day this work is going to have such a scope. It's going to have such a significance that we won't be able to fathom it. It will be like looking at the Grand Canyon for the first time to think back on our past lives one day when we're ancient and billions of years old in the kingdom of heaven and think what I did then I thought was so unimportant, but it was actually one of the most significant things that I could have ever done. It has eternal impact. We will bear the fruits of it and enjoy that forever. When God's kingdom comes in its fullness. The kingdom's growing inevitably. That's Jesus' point. The light's going to be revealed. The harvest is going to come. The seed is going to grow. From meager beginnings to tremendous size. That's the way of the Father God. And of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus calls you to be a part of that. To enter the kingdom through repentance and faith. To trust in the God who saves you and loves you and died on the cross for your sin to be pardoned. You know, the most amazing thing perhaps about Christianity is that Jesus himself demonstrates the way of the kingdom in his own life. We've already talked about that a little bit, but who would have ever thought that the way God would save the world is by suffering. Who would have ever thought that the way God will prove that he's king over everything is by allowing the Romans and the Jews to nail him on a cross and put him to death for a sin he did not commit and a crime that he was innocent of? Who would have ever thought that a bleeding, sweating, suffering Jewish rabbi outside the city walls of Jerusalem 2,000 years ago in the middle of the city dump was going to be the way that God changed the world, the universe, and your life forever. God always works counter to the expectations of the world. But in his work, he inevitably accomplishes his purpose for the universe and for you. Will you believe that Jesus is the king tonight? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love for us. Father, thank you that you make it clear through the scriptures who Jesus is. Thank you for the parables of Jesus, how... In many ways, they're confusing. He even says that sometimes he intended them to confuse people. But, Lord, we see and believe that Jesus is the king, the Messiah, the chosen one of God to deliver his people from the bondage and oppression of sin. And, Father, we ask that you would help us to believe that tonight. Father, if we've never believed before, we pray tonight that we would believe for the first time that we are sinners desperately in need of God's help. That we can't save ourselves, and yet you have done it all for us in Jesus, and all we have to do is trust you. Help us to trust you so that we can be a part of your great kingdom, which is ever-expanding, ever-growing, ever-becoming, more and more vivid. Help us to see Jesus for who he clearly is. We can't do that on our own. So we pray for your Holy Spirit to come and give us illumination as a lamp. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.